0: March 4 through March 10.
1: Morning and Evening Daily Readings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alan Rither. Morning and Evening Daily Readings by Charles Spurgeon.
0: Morning, March 4. My grace is sufficient for thee. 2 Corinthians 12.9 If none of God's saints were poor and tried, we should not know half so well the consolations of divine grace. When we find the wanderer who has not where to lay his head, who yet can say, Still will I trust in the Lord. When we see the pauper starving on bread and water, who still glories in Jesus, when we see the bereaved widow overwhelmed in affliction, and yet having faith in Christ, oh, what honor it reflects on the gospel! God's grace is illustrated and magnified in the poverty and trials of believers. Saints bear up under every discouragement, believing that all things work together for their good, and that out of apparent evils a real blessing shall ultimately spring, that their God will either work a deliverance for them speedily, or most assuredly support them in the trouble, as long as he is pleased to keep them in it. This patience of the saints proves the power of divine grace. There is a lighthouse out at sea, it is a calm night, I cannot tell whether the edifice is firm, the tempest must rage about it, and then I shall know whether it will stand. So with the Spirit's work, if it were not on many occasions surrounded with tempestuous waters, we should not know that it was true and strong. If the winds did not blow upon it, we should not know how firm and secure it was. The masterworks of God are those men who stand in the midst of difficulties, steadfast, unmovable, calm mid the bewildering cry, confident of victory. He who would glory in his God must set his account upon meeting with many trials. No man can be illustrious before the Lord unless his conflicts be many. If, then, yours be a much-tried path, rejoice in it, because you will the better show forth the all-sufficient grace of God. As for his failing you, never dream of it, hate the thought. The God who has been sufficient until now should be trusted to the end. Evening, March 4 they shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. Psalm 36.8 Sheba's queen was amazed at the sumptuousness of Solomon's table. She lost all heart when she saw the provision of a single day, and she marvelled equally at the company of servants who were feasted at the royal board. But what is this to the hospitalities of the God of grace? Ten thousand thousand of his people are daily fed. Hungry and thirsty, they bring large appetites with them to the banquet, but not one of them returns unsatisfied. There is enough for each, enough for all, enough for evermore. Though the host that feed at Jehovah's table is countless as the stars of heaven, yet each one has his portion of meat. Think how much grace one saint requires, so much that nothing but the infinite could supply him for one day and yet the Lord spreads His table, not for one, but many saints, not for one day, but for many years, not for many years only, but for generation after generation. Observe the full feasting spoken of in the text, the guests at Mercy's banquet are satisfied, nay, more abundantly satisfied, and that not with ordinary fare, but with fatness, the peculiar fatness of God's own house and such feasting is guaranteed by a faithful promise to all those children of men who put their trust under the shadow of Jehovah's wings. I once thought that if I might but get the broken meat at God's back door of grace I should be satisfied, like the woman who said, the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. But no child of God is ever served with scraps and leavings like Mephibosheth, they all eat from the king's own table. In matters of grace we all have Benjamin's mess, we all have ten times more than we could have expected, and though our necessities are great, yet are we often amazed at the marvellous plenty of grace which God gives us experimentally to enjoy. Morning, March 5. Let Us Not Sleep As Do Others. 1 Thessalonians five six. There are many ways of promoting Christian wakefulness. Among the rest, let me strongly advise Christians to converse together concerning the ways of the Lord. Christian and Hopeful, as they journeyed towards the celestial city, said to themselves, To prevent drowsiness in this place, let us fall into good discourse. Christian inquired, Brother, where shall we begin? And Hopeful answered, where God began with us. Then Christian sang this song. When saints do sleepy grow, let them come hither, and hear how these two pilgrims talk together. Yea, let them learn of them in any wise, thus to keep open their drowsy slumbering eyes. Saints' fellowship, if it be managed well, keeps them awake, and that in spite of hell." Christians who isolate themselves and walk alone are very liable to grow drowsy. Hold Christian company, and you will be kept wakeful by it, and refreshed and encouraged to make quicker progress in the road to heaven. But as you thus take sweet counsel with others in the ways of God, take care that the theme of your converse is the Lord Jesus. Let the eye of faith be constantly looking unto him. Let your heart be full of him, let your lips speak of his worth. Friend, live near to the cross, and thou wilt not weep. Labor to impress thyself with a deep sense of the value of the place to which thou art going. If thou rememberest that thou art going to heaven, thou wilt not sleep on the road. If thou thinkest that hell is behind thee and the devil pursuing thee, thou wilt not loiter." Would the Manslayer sleep with the Avenger of Blood behind him, and the City of Refuge before him? Christian, wilt thou sleep whilst the pearly gates are open, the songs of angels waiting for thee to join them, a crown of gold ready for thy brow? Ah, no, in holy fellowship continue to watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. Evening, March 5 Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Psalm thirty-five, three. What does this sweet prayer teach me? It shall be my evening's petition, but first let it yield me an instructive meditation. The text informs me first of all that David had his doubts, for why should he pray, Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation, if he were not sometimes exercised with doubts and fears? Let me then be of good cheer, for I am not the only saint who has to complain of weakness of faith. If David doubted, I need not conclude that I am no Christian because I have doubts. The text reminds me that David was not content while he had doubts and fears, but he repaired at once to the mercy seat to pray for assurance, for he valued it as much as fine gold. I, too, must labor after an abiding sense of my acceptance in the Beloved, and must have no joy when his love is not shed abroad in my soul. When my bridegroom is gone from me, my soul must and will fast. I learn also that David knew where to obtain full assurance. He went to his God in prayer, crying, Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. I MUST BE MUCH ALONE WITH GOD IF I WOULD HAVE A CLEAR SENSE OF JESUS' LOVE. LET MY PRAYERS CEASE AND MY EYE OF FAITH WILL GROW DIM. MUCH IN PRAYER, MUCH IN HEAVEN. SLOW IN PRAYER, SLOW IN PROGRESS. I NOTICED THAT DAVID WOULD NOT BE SATISFIED UNLESS HIS ASSURANCE HAD A DIVINE SOURCE. SAY UNTO MY SOUL. LORD, DO THOU SAY IT. NOTHING SHORT OF A DIVINE TESTIMONY IN THE SOUL Will ever content the true Christian. Moreover, David could not rest unless his assurance had a vivid personality about it. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Lord, if thou shouldst say this to all the saints, it were nothing unless thou shouldst say it unto me. Lord, I have sinned, I deserve not thy smile, I scarcely dare to ask it. But oh, say to my soul, even to my soul, I am thy salvation. Let me have a present, personal, infallible, indisputable sense that I am thine, and that thou art mine. Morning, March sixth. Ye must be born again. John three seven. Regeneration is a subject which lies at the very basis of salvation and we should be very diligent to take heed that we really are born again, for there are many who fancy they are who are not. Be assured that the name of a Christian is not the nature of a Christian, and that being born in a Christian land, and being recognized as professing the Christian religion, is of no avail whatever, unless there be something more added to it. The being born again is a matter so mysterious that human words cannot describe it. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nevertheless it is a change which is known and felt, known by works of holiness, and felt by a gracious experience. This great work is supernatural. It is not an operation which a man performs for himself a new principle is infused which works in the heart renews the soul and affects the entire man it is not the change of my name but a renewal of my nature so that i am not the man i used to be but a new man in christ jesus to wash and dress a corpse is a far different thing from making it alive men can do the one god alone can do the other if you have then been born again Your acknowledgment will be, O Lord Jesus, the everlasting Father, thou art my spiritual parent. Unless thy Spirit had breathed into me the breath of a new, holy, and spiritual life, I had been to this day dead in trespasses and sins. My heavenly life is wholly derived from thee, to thee I ascribe it. My life is hid with Christ in God. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who liveth in me. May the Lord enable us to be well assured on this vital point, for to be unregenerate is to be unsaved, unpardoned, without God, and without hope. Evening, March sixth. Before destruction the heart of man is haughty. Proverbs eighteen twelve. It is an old and common saying that coming events cast their shadows before them. The wise man teaches us that a haughty heart is the prophetic prelude of evil. Pride is as safely the sign of destruction as the change of mercury in the weather-glass is the sign of rain, and far more infallibly so than that. When men have ridden the high horse, destruction has always overtaken them. Let David's aching heart show that there is an eclipse of a man's glory when he dotes upon his own greatness. Second Samuel 24.10. See Nebuchadnezzar, the mighty builder of Babylon, creeping on the earth, devouring grass like oxen, until his nails had grown like bird's claws, and his hair like eagle's feathers. Daniel 4.33. Pride made the boaster a beast, as once before it made an angel a devil. God hates high looks, and never fails to bring them down all the arrows of god are aimed at proud hearts o christian is thine heart haughty this evening for pride can get into the christian's heart as well as into the sinner's it can delude him into dreaming that he is rich and increased in goods and hath need of nothing art thou glorying in thy graces or thy talents art thou proud of thyself that thou hast had holy frames and sweet experiences mark thee reader there is a destruction coming to thee also. Thy flaunting poppies of self-conceit will be pulled up by the roots, thy mushroom graces will wither in the burning heat, and thy self-sufficiency shall become as straw for the dunghill. If we forget to live at the foot of the cross in deepest lowliness of spirit, God will not forget to make us smart under his rod. A destruction will come to thee, O unduly exalted believer, THE DESTRUCTION OF THY JOYS AND OF THY COMFORTS, THOUGH THERE CAN BE NO DESTRUCTION OF THY SOUL. WHEREFORE, HE THAT GLORIETH, LET HIM GLORY IN THE LORD.
1: MORNING. MARCH 7. HAVE FAITH IN GOD. MARK 11.22. FAITH IS THE FOOT OF THE SOUL BY WHICH IT CAN MARCH ALONG THE ROAD OF THE COMMANDMENTS. Love can make the feet move more swiftly, but faith is the foot which carries the soul. Faith is the oil enabling the wheels of holy devotion and of earnest piety to move well. And without faith the wheels are taken from the chariot and we drag heavily. With faith I can do all things. Without faith I shall neither have the inclination nor the power to do anything in the service of God. If you would find the men who serve God the best, you must look for the men of the most faith. Little faith will save a man, but little faith cannot do great things for God. Poor little faith could not have fought Apollyon. It needed Christian to do that. Poor little faith could not have slain giant despair. It required great hearts armed to knock that monster down. Little Faith will go to heaven most certainly, but it often has to hide itself in a nutshell, and it frequently loses all but its jewels. Little Faith says, It is a rough road, beset with sharp thorns, and full of dangers, I am afraid to go. But Great Faith remembers the promise, Thy shoes shall be iron and brass, As thy days, so shall thy strength be, and so she boldly ventures. Little Faith stands desponding, mingling her tears with the flood, but great Faith sings, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee, and she fords the streams at once. Would you be comfortable and happy? Would you enjoy religion? Would you have the religion of cheerfulness and not that of gloom? Then have faith in God. If you love darkness and are satisfied to dwell in gloom and misery, then be content with little faith. But if you love the sunshine and would sing songs of rejoicing, then earnestly covet this best gift, great faith. Evening march seven it is better to trust in the lord than to put confidence in man psalm 118 8 doubtless the reader has been tried with the temptation to rely upon the things which are seen instead of resting alone upon the invisible god christians often look to man for help and counsel and mar the noble simplicity of their reliance upon their god Does this evening's portion meet the eye of a child of God, anxious about temporals? Then we would reason with him a while. You trust in Jesus, and only in Jesus, for your salvation. Then why are you troubled? Because of my great care. Is it not written, Cast thy burden upon the Lord? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make known your wants to God. Cannot you trust God for temporals? Ah, I wish I could. If you cannot trust God for temporals, how dare you trust Him for spirituals? Can you trust Him for your soul's redemption and not rely upon Him for a few lesser mercies? Is not God enough for thy need? Or is his all-sufficiency too narrow for thy wants? Dost thou want another eye beside that of him who sees every secret thing? Is his heart faint? Is his arm weary? If so, seek another God. But if he be infinite, omnipotent, faithful, true, and all-wise, why gaddest thou abroad so much to seek another confidence? Why dost thou rake the earth to find another foundation, when this is strong enough to bear all the weight which thou canst ever build thereon? Christian, mix not only thy wine with water, do not aloe, thy gold of faith with a dross of human confidence. Wait thou only upon God, and let thine expectations be from Him. Covet not Jonah's gourd, but rest in Jonah's God. Let the sandy foundations of terrestrial trust be the choice of fools. But do thou, like the one who foresees the storm, build for thyself an abiding place upon the rock of ages. Morning, March 8. We must through much tribulation Enter into the kingdom of God. Acts 14.22 God's people have their trials. It was never designed by God, when he chose his people, that they should be an untried people. They were chosen in the furnace of affliction. They were never chosen to worldly peace and earthly joy. Freedom from sickness and the pains of mortality was never promised them. But when their Lord drew up the charter of privileges, he included chastisements amongst the things to which they should inevitably be heirs. Trials are a part of our lot. They were predestined for us in Christ's last legacy. So surely as the stars are fashioned by his hands and their orbits fixed by him, so surely are our trials allotted to us. He has ordained their season and their place, their intensity, and the effect they shall have upon us. Good men must never expect to escape troubles. If they do, they will be disappointed, for none of their predecessors have been without them. Mark the patience of Job. Remember Abraham, for he had his trials, and by his faith under them he became the father of the faithful. Note well the biographies of all the patriarchs, prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and you shall discover none of those whom God made vessels of mercy, who were not made to pass through the fire of affliction. It is ordained of old that the cross of trouble should be engraved on every vessel of mercy as the royal mark, whereby the king's vessels of honor are distinguished. But although tribulation is thus the path of God's children, they have the comfort of knowing that their master has traversed it before them. They have his presence and sympathy to cheer them, his grace to support them, and his example to teach them how to endure. And when they reach the kingdom, it will more than make amends for the much tribulation through which they passed to enter it. Evening, March 8. She called his name Benoni, son of Sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. Genesis 35, 18. To every matter there is a bright as well as a dark side. Rachel was overwhelmed with the sorrow of her own travail and death. Jacob, though weeping the mother's loss, could see the mercy of the child's birth. It is well for us if, while the flesh mourns over trials, our faith triumphs in divine faithfulness. Samson's lion yielded honey, and so will our adversities, if rightly considered. The stormy sea feeds multitudes with its fishes. The wild wood blooms with beauteous florets. The stormy wind sweeps away the pestilence and the biting frost loosens the soil. Dark clouds distill bright drops and black earth grows gay flowers. A vein of good is to be found in every mine of evil. Sad hearts have peculiar skill in discovering the most disadvantageous point of view from which to gaze upon a trial. If there were only one slough in the world, they would soon be up to their necks in it, and if there were only one lion in the desert, they would hear it roar. About us all there is a tinge of this wretched folly, and we are apt at times, like Jacob, to cry, All these things are against me! Faith's way of walking is to cast all care upon the Lord, and then to anticipate good results from the worst calamities. Like Gideon's men, she does not fret over the broken pitcher, but rejoices that the lamp blazes forth the more. Out of the rough oyster shell of difficulty, she extracts the rare pearl of honor. And from the ocean depths of distress, she lifts up the priceless coral of experience when her flood of prosperity ebbs she finds treasures hid in the sands and when the sun of her delight goes down she turns her telescope of hope to the starry promises of heaven when death itself appears faith points to the light of resurrection beyond the grave thus making our dying benoni to be our living benjamin Morning, March 9. Yea, he is altogether lovely. Song of Solomon 5.16. The superlative beauty of Jesus is all-attracting. It is not so much to be admired as to be loved. He is more than pleasant and fair, he is lovely. Surely the people of God can fully justify the use of this golden word For he is the object of their warmest love a love founded on the intrinsic excellence of his person the complete perfection of his charms look o disciples of jesus to your master's lips and say are they not most sweet do not his words cause your hearts to burn within you as he talks with you by the way ye worshippers of emmanuel look up to his head of much fine gold and tell me are not his thoughts precious unto you is not your adoration sweetened with affection as ye humbly bow before that countenance which is as lebanon excellent as the cedars is there not a charm in his every feature and is not his whole person fragrant with such a savour of his good ointments that therefore the virgins love him is there one member of his glorious body which is not attractive one portion of his person which is not a fresh loadstone to your souls one office which is not a strong cord to bind your heart our love is not as a seal set upon his heart of love alone It is fastened upon his arm of power also. Nor is there a single part of him upon which it does not fix itself. We anoint his whole person with the sweet spikenard of our fervent love. His whole life we would imitate, his whole character we would transcribe. In all other things we see some lack. In him there is all perfection. The best even of his favored saints have had blots upon their garments and wrinkles upon their brows, but he is nothing but loveliness. All earthly suns have their spots. The fair world itself hath its wilderness. We cannot love the whole of the most lovely thing, but Christ Jesus is gold without alloy, light without darkness glory without cloud yea he is altogether lovely evening march 9 abide in me john fifteen four. communion with christ is a certain cure for every ill whether it be the wormwood of woe or the chlorine surfeit of earthly delight close fellowship with the lord jesus will take bitterness from the one and satiety from the other love near live oops okay his whole life we would imitate his whole character we would transcribe in all other beings we see some lack in him there is all perfection the best even of his favored saints have their blots upon their garments and wrinkles upon their brows but he is nothing but loveliness all earthly suns have their spots the fair world itself hath its wilderness we cannot love the whole of the most lovely thing but christ jesus is gold without alloy light without darkness glory without cloud yea he is altogether lovely evening march nine abide in me john fifteen four communion with christ is a certain cure for every ill whether it be the wormwood of woe or the cloying surfeit of earthly delight close fellowship with the lord jesus will take bitterness from the one And satiety from the other live near to jesus christian and it is a matter of secondary importance whether thou livest on the mountain of honor or in the valley of humiliation living near to jesus thou art covered with the wings of god and underneath thee are the everlasting arms let nothing keep thee from that hallowed intercourse which is the choice privilege of a soul wedded to the well-beloved be not content with an interview now and then but seek always to retain his company for only in his presence hast thou either comfort or safety jesus should not be unto us as a friend who calls upon us now and then but as one with whom we walk evermore thou hast a difficult road before thee see see o traveler to heaven that thou go not without thy guide thou hast to pass through the fiery furnace enter it not unless like shadrach meshach and abednego thou hast the son of god to be thy companion thou hast to storm the jericho of thine own corruptions attempt not the warfare until like joshua thou hast seen the captain of the lord's host with his sword drawn in his hand Thou art to meet the Esau of thy many temptations. Meet him not until at Jabbok's brook thou hast laid hold upon the angel and prevailed. In every case, in every condition, thou wilt need Jesus. But most of all, when the iron gates of death shall open to thee, keep thou close to thy soul's husband. Lean upon thy head, IN EVERY CASE, IN EVERY SITUATION, THOU wilt NEED JESUS, BUT MOST OF ALL, WHEN THE IRON GATES OF DEATH SHALL OPEN TO THEE, KEEP THOU CLOSE TO THY SOUL'S HUSBAND, LEAN THY HEAD UPON HIS BOSOM, ASK TO BE REFRESHED WITH THE SPICED WINE OF HIS POMEGRANATE, AND THOU shalt BE FOUND OF HIM AT THE LAST, WITHOUT SPOT, OR WRINKLE, OR ANY SUCH THING. Seeing thou hast lived with him, and lived in him here, thou shalt abide with him forever. Morning, March 10. In my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Psalm 30, 6. Moab settled on his lees. He hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Give a man wealth let his ships bring home continually rich freights let the winds and waves appear to be his servants to bear his vessels across the bosom of the mighty deep let his lands yield abundantly let the weather be propitious to his crops let uninterrupted success attend him let him stand among men as a successful merchant let him enjoy continued health Allow him with braced nerve and brilliant eye to march through the world and live happily. Give him the buoyant spirit. Let him have the song perpetually on his lips. Let his eye be ever sparkling with joy. And the natural consequence of such an easy state to any man, let him be the best Christian who ever breathed, will be presumption. Even David said, i shall never be moved and we are not better than david nor half so good brother beware of the smooth places of the way if you are treading them or if the way be rough thank god for it if god should always rock us in the cradle of prosperity if we were always dandled on the knees of fortune if we had not some stain on the alabaster pillar If there were not a few clouds in the sky, if we had not some bitter drops in the wine of this life, we should become intoxicated with pleasure, we should dream, we stand. And stand we should, but it would be upon a pinnacle, like the man asleep upon the mast, each moment we should be in jeopardy. We bless God then for our afflictions, we thank Him for our changes. We extol his name for losses of prosperity, for we feel that had he not chastened us thus we might have become too secure. Continued worldly prosperity is a fiery trial. Afflictions, though they seem severe, in mercy oft are sent. Evening, March 10 Man is of few days and full of trouble job fourteen one it may be of great service to us before we fall asleep to remember this mournful fact for it may lead us to set loose by earthly things there is nothing very pleasant in the recollection that we are not above the shafts of adversity but it may humble us and prevent our boasting like the psalmist in our morning's portion my mountain standeth firm i shall never be moved it may stay us from taking too deep root in this soil from which we are so soon to be transplanted into the heavenly garden let us recollect the frail tenure upon which we hold our temporal mercies if we would remember that all trees of earth are marked for the woodsman's axe, we should not be so ready to build our nests in them we should love but we should love with the love which expects death and which reckons upon separations our dear relations are but loaned to us and the hour when we must return them to the lender's hand may be even at the door the like is certainly true of our worldly goods do not riches take to themselves wings and fly away our health is equally precarious frail flowers of the field we must not reckon upon blooming forever there is a time appointed for weakness and sickness when we shall have to glorify god by suffering and not by earnest activity there is no single point in which we can hope to escape from the sharp arrows of affliction out of our few days there is not one secure from sorrow man's life is a cask full of bitter wine he who looks for joy in it had better seek for honey in an ocean of brine beloved reader set not your affections upon things of earth but seek those things which are above for here The moth devoureth and the thief breaketh through but there all joys are perpetual and eternal the path of trouble is the way home lord make this thought a pillow for many a weary head
0: end of march four through march ten